Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. To build a business, you need to build systems and you need to be able to take your ideas out of your head and take strategic actions on them to create what you want to create. If I'm being honest, bosses tend to fall into one of two camps with this. You're either a total type A to whom this comes incredibly naturally, or you're a wily creative who struggles with maybe not being as organized as is best for running a profitable business. There's no right or wrong way to get organized and build systems in your business. There's only doing the work in the way that you need to do it. Welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want to take control of their work and live life on their own terms. I'm your host, Emily Thompson. And in this episode of Being Boss, I'm talking organization, systems, processes, project management, and the tech that online business owners use to make it do with Mary Williams. Mary is the chief technology therapist at Sensible Woo, where she works with highly sensitive online business owners to make their data management and software systems flow with ease so that their online businesses actually run online. By teaching her clients that they are their own best tech guru, she helps them discover how to make their business back end match their public facing brand. Through a system she has developed called Digital Feng Shui, she helps clients master milestones so they have time and energy for more clients and more revenue. Mary is an accredited librarian with her Master of Science in Information from the University of Michigan School of Information and started her career as the digital archivist for Disney Animation Studios. She has also worked with marketing agencies, entertainment technology companies, public libraries, fundraising organizations, and technology startups. Mary, welcome to Being Boss. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I was telling you before we started recording that I was so excited to talk with you because I've been one of those fangirl podcast listeners for years. And then you asked me to come on and I was like, yes, all the yes. <laughs> good. Well, I asked you to come on because we were in a community Monday meetup one day and a boss asked a question. I think about your incredibly colorful calendar background situation that's happening that is spectacular. And the way you answered that question was so succinct and it proved that you were an expert at what you do in a way where I was like, okay, this boss is coming on the podcast. Simple as that. (laughs) So just like, one, thank you for being a member of the community and coming in and lending your expertise. And two, a message for everyone, show up. <laughs> show up and be an expert because you never know who's listening. I think showing up is more than half of it. Yeah. I see a lot of people 
and you know, we're going to talk about project management and systems and all that good fun stuff. Um, but even there, like showing up is more than half of it. And I see people not show up in that area. And then they wonder, why is it a mess? Why am I struggling? <laughs> it's like, you just have to show up. Um, it's, yeah, it's the hardest and yet also the simplest thing. Indeed. Well, let's talk about maybe making it a little more simple. <laughs> I think that's yes. kind of what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> but before we dive into that, I want to introduce you to the bosses and, and get to know you a little bit better too. So if you don't mind, start us off with sharing your entrepreneurial journey. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, it's been a long and winding road, like most people. <laughs> um, I actually started with a corporate career, like I think a lot of people do. Um, I have a Master of Science in Information from the University of Michigan School of Information. So I am a for real, real life librarian. And I went straight into a corporate career. I didn't go into traditional libraries. So I started as a digital archivist at Disney Animation for years. And did software development, did amazing things with really cool art that a lot of people don't get to see. So that was a really great way to start your career. And then felt like I got an MBA by digging into the corporate world. Um, and I started side hustling at the time. I had been doing resumes for people as work study in my college days. And when I graduated, all my friends who had gotten resumes for me had all gotten the jobs they wanted. So they started referring their new friends in their new cities. And I thought, I'm not doing these for free. Like I got to get paid for it. So that was like the very beginning of my journey. And it eventually morphed into blogging. I had a sewing blog during the golden age of blogging when we could still get really good sponsorships and promotions on long form blogs. And, um, and I, and I learned content marketing by being in the trenches back in those days. And I made pretty good side hustle income from it, like enough that had it declared on my taxes and everything. So people started asking me business questions and they wanted to know, like, how are you making money? How are you doing this? And at the time, while all of that's going on, this is such an entrepreneurial thing to do. Always so mindy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I am also a metaphysical reader. I've been reading tarot and the Akashic Records for at last count, like about 20 years. And at the time, people would PayPal me and I would read for them on the phone on nights and weekends. And then Zoom came along and I could give them a recording and it made it easier. Um, and so the whole time while I'm doing my library career in and out of corporate in public libraries too, I'm also reading and I'm writing a blog and I'm, I didn't realize I'm learning all the things I need to learn. And then, um, one day I decided I, it's just, it's time to make the jump. Like there's never a perfect time. And I was like, if I don't do this now, like I'm just going to get comfortable in a golden coffin somewhere and like, I've got to do it. And so I made the jump. Um, and I started by doing B2B corporate contracts because my old entertainment pals, would call me up and they said, Hey, are you still doing what you're doing? We need help. And so I had corporate contracts for a while, but quickly discovered in my readings that I much preferred working with small online business owners because they were all in. They were all in on their businesses in the way that my corporate contracts were not. And in the world of entertainment, people move around a lot and everyone's kind of got a foot out the door. And so it was just a little less satisfying, even though the money was good. 
And, um, and I discovered that the questions that my entrepreneurs were asking me hit a sweet spot for me too, because they were trying to hit that beautiful space between their intuitive woo-woo side and their, you know, very practical business building side. Like they saw that space too, and they recognized it in me, which is why they would ask me questions in the middle of readings about like their launch or about tech systems. And I'm like, this does not require tarot cards. <laughs> and I realized, uh, maybe, maybe we need something else. Maybe I need to start creating something else. And then that eventually grew into digital feng shui, which is the system that I lead my people through now, mostly just as a framework to help us build a bridge in our heart space to that more analytical space. Um, to get, you know, better with our systems, get better organized, be more efficient, all the things. <laughs> right. And that's something that, yeah. I mean, I guess, well, would you agree every business owner needs to be organized in their systems? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But I wanted to make sure you're the expert here on that because that, that's definitely, that's definitely something that I find to be true. Um and I know that's something that creatives struggle with oftentimes is that organization piece. So I'm wondering from you, I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but librarian, archivist, literally teaching the stuff, do you do you find yourself to be naturally organized? I am. I know not everybody is. I have my messy pockets in life. Uh-huh. And just like I like to teach people in my community at Sensible Woo, I like to teach that we live in seasons, just like we go through the seasons of the year. And except our working seasons aren't quite so containerized, like Mother Nature sort of runs on this very steady schedule. Sometimes we have short seasons, sometimes we have long seasons, but we have seasons. Um, and it's not necessarily like four seasons, like spring, summer, fall, winter, <laughs> but, but our seasons exist. Um, I've seen people run like six or eight seasons in a year or just one really long season. Um, and I think when you can tap into that, you can start to realize that, you know, I think I'm a little more organized than I give myself credit. I just need to recognize what season I'm in. I've had a lot of growth in the past year. COVID was actually fantastic for my business. So but I, I hit a season where it was really busy very quickly. I immediately saw the areas I was a little unprepared in. So it got chaotic. It got messy. The organizer in me wanted to write that ship <laughs> very quickly. But when you can recognize it, then you can start to build in the time and the space and grace for yourself to make that happen. And I think what happens is we kind of blast through, like just trying to get to the next place and you know, we don't really build in that gray area. And it's just kind of like in our actual natural earth-based seasons, you don't just flip over from one season to the other, even though it can feel like that in some parts of the world. I grew up in Michigan and it feels like one day it's winter and one day it's summer. I know that feeling, but it's, but it's not really what happens. You know, like the leaves don't all fall off the tree in one day. It takes some time and and the leaves don't all bloom in one day either. Like it takes a little bit of time. And I feel like the same thing needs to be recognized in how we operate in our businesses that some things take a few days or a few weeks and you need to give yourself time to bloom or to shed or to do what you've got to do, um, which can be frustrating because 
I'm super type A <laughs> and I love everything to happen like two weeks ago. So, you know, you really have to like have a conversation with that side of yourself and, and, and almost negotiate with yourself. Like, okay, you know, this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Let's build a plan and get it done. Have you found that? So that's your experience and your experience working with people, at least who's semi-organized. But let's say you're a creative who does not identify with being creative literally at all. Do you still have those seasons? And do you think that naturally unorganized people can learn to be creative, learn to be creative, learn to be organized? They can learn to be creative. (laughs) And (laughs) – And I, yeah, I believe everybody has the ability to learn how to be organized in the way that it works for them. I think sometimes we see what somebody else does and they're like, oh, look at the way Emily does that. I have to do it just like her. And I think those are great anchors for us, um, sort of in that energetic sense when you can see something sort of like I can see it, I can believe it. Um, and so we look, it's a great anchor point, but it doesn't mean that we have to copy it. Exactly. Just like you can't copy someone's career trajectory exactly, but you're like, I want to be the next Oprah. You're not going to be exactly how Oprah got to be Oprah. <laughs> you're going to figure out what's my path to getting to that, that goal marker. Um, and, and it's going to look just a little bit different because you naturally are going to feel different than the person that you're emulating. So um, just kind of like my calendars, you know, a lot of people like them and they do work for a lot of people, but I always counsel my students that you have to give yourself about a sprint. And this is a really good sort of rule of thumb for any kind of system setting. Um, there's a reason why a lot of masterminds and business programs like to work in 90 day sprints. And it's because sort of naturally, again, seasons, about a quarter of the year, you need time to settle into some new process or some new way of thinking, some new way of being. Um, I always forget the number of days it takes to set a new habit, but that kind of a, that feeling like you just have to do it for a little while. Um, and I always tell my people just because you learned my color coding system like this, start with that as a place to begin. But over 90 days, if that's going to shift naturally for you, go with it. Do what feels right for you. Because if you do what feels right for you and you actually buy into that and adopt it, then you'll continue to do it and the world won't be so messy or disorganized. But if you're like constantly trying to shove yourself into someone else's square hole and you're a round peg, like I think that's where creatives really kind of feel that that um, friction because, you know, when you're being creative, (laughs) I mean, you're really allowing yourself to expand and to, you know, think differently and feel differently and do differently. And you can't necessarily limit yourself. I think that feeling of limitation is what sort of squashes that creative energy. Um, So giving yourself permission to, be creative in the process of discovering how that system is going to work for you is really important. And sometimes you discover that that system does not work for you. Like I've had people try the wall calendar and they're like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And it's like, okay, that's good. It doesn't work for you. So now let's find out what does. Let's find out what does work for you. But sometimes you have to try things if you don't know that it's the thing for you yet. Yes. I agree with this recognition that you have to find the thing that works for you. I think one of the one of the best examples I have of this is we do talk project management software 
in the community often. Everyone's always wanting to know what, like, what apps you're using, what planner are you using, yeah. all of those things. And it's always so funny to me. There's always like multiple camps, right? Like there's those people whose brain works in Asana and there's people whose brain works in Trello and people whose brains work in Trello did not work in Asana. Like they're wired differently. And (laughs) there is this like this acceptance that you have to, that you have to have that you're going to try a system. If it works, use it. If it doesn't work, find another one because there are so many tools available to us or so many systems and tools available to us that it is a process of testing and changing. And I love this like 90 day commitment situation of like, try it for 90 days. Because there is a learning curve, I think, that we all have to accept as well. We're not all just going to fall into a system immediately. Uh, We have to, like, give it a good go and then trying the next thing if it doesn't work. I feel like that's a a wonderful set of, like, mindset shifts (laughs) that uh, we all need to make so that we can find the systems that work for us that allow us to be organized. Because organized, being organized helps us accomplish the goals that we're here to accomplish. Yes, it really does. Um, I feel like chaos is an exciting place to be sometimes. And it can also be an addictive place to be for many people. And it can also be the thing that brings the whole house of cards down real quick. So, um, you know, learning when to, I think learning when to operate in a state of chaos or disorganization in a healthy manner is an, is a, really worthwhile mindfulness pursuit as an entrepreneur, because you're going to have those seasons. You're going to have that creative season when chaos reigns and you're in that like messy state of discovering and doing things. And that's fun. But if you stay there forever and you don't systematize your thing so that it can scale and grow later on, you wonder like, why am I stuck or why is nothing happening? Or why did my offer die? Or what happened to my community? And it's because there's too much chaos. Um, it'd be like if it was a windy day every single day and the wind just never quit. You'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm never going to be able to rake these leaves. They just keep blowing all over the place. And, you know, you, you need a calm day here and there. And, and, and it's, um, it, it's again, like it's so easy to say it. And in reality, if you're used to operating on that rhythm, it can feel really, really uncomfortable at first, but you know, it's kind of like, um, I teach my, my community. I use all kinds of analogies and I have this thing I call the business gym because a lot of them struggle with making time for things. Time management is, I think is like a perennial problem for a lot of us. And, um, and I always make the analogy of, you know, when you've paid for a really expensive trainer at the gym, like there's no makeups, there's no refunds. Like you will clear your calendar to get your butt to the gym <laughs> and meet your trainer. And it's amazing to me how many times we'll shove our businesses aside here and there a little bit. And before you know it, it really adds up and you have to make the appointment at the business gym and you have to go. And it's uncomfortable at first. Like the exercises don't feel good. You're like dragging your ass to the gym and you're like, Uh, I just don't want to be here. But then you start seeing results and then you're like, now I know why I go. I might not always like it, but now I know why I go. And pretty soon you find exercises that you actually really love doing. And there's that class that you really look forward to going to. And you have your friends there. And pretty soon, like, it doesn't feel like this chore. It feels like a part of your life. And And that's really 
where we're trying to go when it comes to project management. That is the best analogy I have ever heard (laughs) for adopting systems because you're absolutely right. And it really is that place of like, once you start seeing those results, because you create systems in your business for the purpose of getting results, right? Like you want to create the product or deliver to the client or whatever in this process that gets this final result every single time. And those, those systems create the result. And together, those pile up to greet bigger results. Like it, But it's something you have to show up for, right? Which is going back to what we even opened Showing this up. with. <laughs> we have to show up for, for ourselves, for our businesses, for the systems in our businesses to garnish the results that we're looking for. Yeah. When it comes to saving time and money with systems and processes, as you'll see soon, the next step is finding the tools that will help you save even more time and money and get the job done. One of our favorite go-to solutions is FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Easy to use accounting software designed specifically with you, the small business owner with plenty to do in mind. FreshBooks is a simple and intuitive tool with built-in automation, so you spend less time invoicing, expensing, and tracking projects, and more time doing what matters most, your creative work, building your business, and living your life. Plus, with features like the ability to collaborate with your team, financial forecasting, and award-winning support, it's a tool that will help you be more boss in many parts of your business. Try FreshBooks for free today by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. I just want to take a minute to shout out to the small business owners out there. It's hard work balancing your bottom line and taking care of a team. That's why Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll benefits and more. Automatic payroll, tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto has made it simple. And right now you can get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash being boss. That's gusto.com slash being boss. Mm, I love it. Okay, then let's start talking about these systems and project management and all of these things. Um, because this is really, it's funny. There's a couple of things in the being boss community at large, both our membership community and everyone who listens. There's a couple of common, common struggles with bosses. Time management and marketing are the, always the biggest two. Project management is always a very close third because we're all creatives. We all have these ideas. We want to make them happen, but creatives tend to struggle with seeing the connection between what they want to do and how to actually make it come to fruition. Cause there's a million little steps in the middle that is required to get there. So what is your process for working through this? Or how do you think creatives especially should, should, wrap their head around project management in a way that allows them the ability to do what they want to do. So I really feel like it goes back to a process of self-discovery. And if you're not naturally inclined to just sort of jump in, I feel like people who do project management really well, sometimes don't realize how well they do it. It's sort of like, um, 
people who are really intuitive sometimes don't realize just how intuitive they are. Um, you know, when you're good at something, you don't think about it. And, but I think when you know you're not as tuned in, you really feel it because you see other people doing it well. And so there's sort of this self-discovery process of understanding, well, how do I exist in this universe and how do I want to exist in the universe in this way? And, you know, I, so I love doing a thing because I feel like a lot of times people get technology mega mixed up inside of systems and project management, and they are separate things. <laughs> and I'll also find because we love our tech gadgets and there are some really cool apps out there, they can be also be very distracting, highly distracting, and they can take you away from the actual process of project management, like actually making a plan. So I teach people to take the tech away. We do a lot of things on surprise post-it notes <laughs> and, and it, we, we learn how to workflow through on a post-it note for a number of reasons. Um, one of the big, big reasons, because I tend to work with a lot of intuitives is a lot of times, um, highly sensitive folks will check out of our bodies and we'll just stay up in our headspace a lot. And what happens is, is if you're not in your body and you're not feeling your business and you're not communing with your business, this is the woo-woo side of Sensible Woo. If you're not communing with that entity that is your business, it's really hard to connect with what really needs to happen. Not how am I going to shove this thing to the end goal, but how am I going to make it flow in the way that feels good to me and clearly feels good to my audience and to my business? And so I use post-it notes with my community because there's something about the simple act of a, touching a physical object like a piece of paper and when you're typing on a computer, you can stay up in your head forever because it's in the computer. And even though you're touching the keyboard, it's still not the same thing. But when you have to grab a Sharpie marker and you have to write one thing down on a post-it note and slap it up on the wall and then move them around, suddenly you're in a very different operating space. So I would say if somebody's having a hard time sort of sorting their thoughts, it might be because they're really staying too much in their head trying to make it work in a, in Asana or in Trello. And those might not even be the tools that work for them in the long run too. So you're, you're already shoving yourself into something that doesn't work for you. And until you can get to the point where you can decide, is it Asana? Is it Trello? Is it something else? Um, take yourself off the computer. You know, I'm a lifelong Costco fan. Like I'm a mega Costco fan. Like I should work at Costco. I love them so much. <laughs> that's, that's another podcast conversation. <laughs> I love that. I recently did Costco too and remembered how much I loved it. So I'm relating oh to that God. very much so. <laughs> well, Costco, God bless Costco. <laughs> they have like a lifetime supply pack of post-it notes and I go to Costco. I love their office supply aisle. They've got packs of Sharpie markers. They've got all the things we use in Sensible Woo. I love it. And and you can pick up the um, packs of Post-it notes and find yourself like a good like long closet door or a, a bathroom mirror or an empty wall or clear out some space. I've even done it where like I have a rectangular shaped um, kitchen table and I'll clear it off. And sometimes I'll just use that flat surface as the surface for doing my work. And, you know, you can do serious workflows with post-its, but you can also sort your brain. 
So one of the best things I love to do, and this might help some of our creatives in our boss community is when everything's swirling and it's all chaotic. I think sometimes we think we have to create structure immediately, but I think the more important thing first is to just get it out, get it out of your brain into a place where you can sort it. And, um, it's kind of like doing laundry. Here's another analogy. So it's kind of like doing laundry. Like, um, you know, if you sort your socks in one pile and your undies in another pile and your shirts in another pile, you will fold your laundry so much quicker than if you're just digging through the whole huge pile. And then like, Oh, I found one sock. And you're like, where's the other? Like, just get everything out of your head, dump out the laundry basket and sort your piles. And you can do that on post-it notes. You can get fancy if you want to and color code it. So if you already kind of have an idea of categories, like these are my marketing things that are coming out of my brain and these are my product building related things coming out of my brain. And maybe this is you know something for my VA, all the things for my VA, they're all coming out of my brain and you can put them in different colors if you want, but you don't have to. And once they're out of your brain, you can actually see them and then you can move post-its around and start creating some structure that helps you figure out what's the highest priority, what turns out doesn't matter. Now that I see it laid out next to everything, like that, that thing that just doesn't matter anymore. Um, and, and the rule is only one thing per post-it note. I've seen people try to cram like 20 things on a post-it note. Like, no, 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 <laughs> just one, <laughs> just one thing. <laughs> and then you can see the volume of it too. Um, I've had some people do the the brain sorting thing and discover that the chaos was just more of an emotional response to maybe a couple of really big projects. And it turns out they have like five post-its, you know, and then I've had other people where they're like, well, there's like 50, but so many. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's do something with them. Um, but you can then start to prioritize. And I think the prioritization is what's so important because we really want to focus on revenue generating activities. You know, my goal as a coach is to help someone make more time, make more space, make more money. I mean, that's why we're in business. And um, if we're spending our time on the little itty bitty post-its that are like, you know, rearrange my paperclip collection, that's not necessarily going to help you move your business forward. But if you have one that's like reach out to my hot prospects, like I have a list of them, like you probably want to bump that up on the list. And when you can see it, then you can do something about it. I love this recognition that you have around getting off the tech and into a post-it note. Um, I don't use post-it notes, but I do do all of my big business planning, like the big visioning stuff, like the ideating and and like the the sort of broad stroke project management in a notebook. Like it's pen to yes. paper. It is yeah. getting there is a whole other process that happens in your mind and body <laughs> yes. when you're writing it with your hand and if you're typing it with your fingers. I also love this idea for people who struggle with the tech of it. Um, because what you what I often find, and I never really quite put this together until now, so thank you for this, um, is that oftentimes when people are trying to use a new piece of software, you're not project managing, you're learning new software. And mm -hmm. so if you're annoyed that you can't project manage, it's not that you're not project managing, it's that you're struggling learning the piece of software. You're not doing the thing you actually need to do. You're experiencing a learning curve that's not necessary. Yeah. 
I've also seen some of my clients go through our workflow process, which is sort of like a big step up from that sort of brain dump process, but actually making workflows and deciding like your customer journey and big things like that. And, and they'll come back and they'll say, I found this great app. Like, how about if we all use this app? And I'm like, time out, people. <laughs> time out. If we all had a dollar every time we heard someone <laughs> say, time. I found this app. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like a drinking game. And um <laughs> and, and and I'll tell them, no, you know, and there's always this like crestfallen look on their face, but but I'll explain to them. The reason why I'm like, you can go into that as your next step, but you're going to do it on paper first. There are very few people, by the way, some there's like 1% of people I've, I've met in the world who can handle going right into that, that cool app. The, the 99% of us, no, because what happens is you're actually working through your process. Process comes before software. So you're actually working through your process. And as soon as you go into that app, you're, distracted by like, oh, they let me change the font. Oh, I can change the color. And now you're like totally distracted on something that has nothing to do with solving your process. And the other thing that I love about um, doing things on paper and not even really great paper, like post-its, scrap paper, nothing precious is because at some point you're going to want to change something. And when somebody spends a really long time picking the perfect shade of pink and the perfect font, and then you say that thing, like that's not quite fitting in your process, right? And there's this emotional letting go process that now needs to happen. And it's really hard to do. And I feel like as creatives, we can get really attached to some of our projects because we really love the thing that we created. And so what we're trying to do here is create a process and not make it so precious at the beginning so that we are willing to let things move around and change. You know, and I feel like our era of COVID has been such a great playground for this because I saw like, it was almost like a 50, 50 split in my sort of view of the world. <laughs> when, when the pandemic hit, I saw like sort of half of the entrepreneurs I follow and they just sort of were like, I'm going to pivot and move and I can move things around. And they were very flexible and they just kept on running. And some of them picked up speed on top of it. And then there was the other half and they were like, Oh my goodness, I have to change. Oh, my world just fell apart. I feel like I've been cut off at the knees. Like this is so hard all of a sudden. And I think it's because like, we have to learn how to get into this state of like, your systems are constantly going to evolve. Your process is constantly going to evolve. As your business grows, you have to evolve. You can't do it the same way forever. At some point, you're going to need help if you've always been a solopreneur. And that's really going to change your process. And if you get so precious about, well, I spent like 50 hours building it in, you know, Mural, the app, <laughs> I can't change it now, you know, and it'll take me forever to do another one. You know, that's what, that's what we're thinking when we spend that long on something. And, and, and what I really try to coach my people through is not to let yourself go there, but to actually work on the growing and the building part of it. Right. Become not like attached to the system because you want to remain flexible, yes. but do not become attached to the software right? It is about yes. learning your system and your process about implementing that thing because a great system or process can be applied to any piece of software. Yes. And there's no software 
so amazing that it will solve a system or a process problem. I think some people think that, oh, that piece of software has all the bells and whistles. It looks so fancy. And the entrepreneur that I idolize uses it because they're her sponsor and they're doing all these things. (laughs) And then, and then that, that person, that entrepreneur hasn't actually solved for their process yet. They don't really have a system and um, there are fundamental things broken in that process. And then now they're shoving their beginning of a process into a piece of software that may or may not actually help them grow. And sometimes these pieces of software can be really expensive and we can dump a lot of money. And I've seen people spend so much money on so many tools. (laughs) Um, I, I, I really feel like at the beginning, you know, there are very few tools that you really need. Um, and, and it's tempting, you know, especially at, the holidays, Black Friday sales, our software companies are so good at selling us everything. They're so good at selling lifetime subscriptions. You know, I, I had a client one time and we do an inventory process in digital feng shui and she did her inventory and discovered she had not one, but two lifetime subscriptions to convert kit. And the whole group was like, how do you buy two lifetime subscriptions to convert kit? And she's like, I don't know, but apparently it's possible. And, you know, of course, convert kit, lovely people. And they corrected that problem. <laughs> But she had purchased two and she had never used it once. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right there. It, this is so, I've never thought about this in this way, especially like someone who's in here using all the tech and doing all the things. But I will, I have an interesting example of, of even doing, I've done what you're talking about doing naturally. Um, I remember whenever I was running Indie Shopography, which is my web design agency, whenever I was growing the team and we were changing projects and doing them in a new way, instead of immediately going into Asana, which we've been using, I've used Asana for 15, 12, 15 I, years I at this the, point. I have too. Right? Yeah. Oh my God, that's so weird to think about. Yeah. Look at us, they're old businesses. Um, <laughs> but I remember using, I remember with the team formulating this note card process for our website projects. Like that's how we did our process first. We could all see it. Literally, I went and got, I went and got pegboards and put it up on a wall. It was a whole thing. And then once we sorted it out, it lived on Asana. And so uh, this is, oh, this is such a like, great process for anyone who was working through processes in their business. Don't learn the software first. Learn your processes first and then apply them to the software. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing about like the note card thing that you're talking about or putting post-its on the wall, it's not a new thing. It comes from the software development world, ironically enough. You know, UX designers will get together in a room and they will do what's called an affinity diagram and they'll get whole teams in basically to get everyone to do the brain dump, one thing per post-it. And when you can see everything up on the wall and you can move it around, you can then organize the features and what your expectations are. And you can get the stakeholders in the room. That's such a corporate thing to say, to get the stakeholders in the room. And, and when you're an entrepreneur, you are the stakeholder, usually like the primary stakeholder. But as you grow, sometimes there are other stakeholders too. And, um, you know, learning 
how to work through process, I think is one of the more powerful things that we can do in business. And I think it's unfortunate that so many entrepreneurs wait so long in their entrepreneurial journey before really digging into this. And I think it's because, you know, there are so many prescient things that come up, like I got to make some revenue. I got to make some money. I got to get paid. And that's a really important thing. It's really valid. Um, but I think sometimes we, we focus so much on marketing and thinking that, you know, more followers will equal sign more, whatever, fill in the blank. And sometimes that's not really true. You know, I I always love asking people because people will say, Oh, I wish I had, you know, some random number of clients, you know, everybody's got their number and I'll ask them, I'll say, okay, well, how many do you have today? And it's usually less than that. And I'll say, okay, so what happens if tomorrow you were, you know, booked to be on Oprah and suddenly you went viral around the world and now you had that number of people, can you handle it? And they're usually like, no. And I think it's such a great story. And I remember back in the day, I am such an Oprah fan, like in college, I would purposely not book classes during Oprah showtime. Like it was my thing. I had to be in my dorm room watching Oprah and she would do her Oprah's favorite thing, you know, favorite things episode in the holidays. And, um, I remember stories coming out after that of like the cookie company or the jewelry company and they went bankrupt or they had to go out of business because they got featured and their systems were not prepared for that volume and they couldn't handle it and it broke their business. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we'll spend time hoping and wishing and manifesting <laughs> that big explosion. Meanwhile, the systems are not being set up for it. And so if that happens, it literally breaks the business or it breaks you. And that's even worse. You know, um, there's enough anxiety in entrepreneurship. You just don't need to add to it. <laughs> for sure. I mean, you definitely hear this. Oftentimes entrepreneurs think that the only problem, the biggest problem they have is sales, right? But sales doesn't yeah. solve all of your problems. Oftentimes more sales can cause problems because there are problems that you haven't addressed because you thought the only problem you had was not enough sales. And that's, that's the picture you're painting here. It's a very important part of what it is that we do, it's not just getting sales, but as business owners, as entrepreneurs, our job is to build businesses. And businesses are sets of processes and systems that get you to a certain result that provides value to your customer or client. So if those systems aren't in place, even with sales, you don't have a business. No. And the bigger your sales machine grows without the process when you need to fix it, that process, those systems become way more expensive to fix, way more. And sometimes you end up needing to hire more people, which complicates everything because there's so much happening that you literally need more human power (laughs) to help sort through a bunch of things. And it's just, it becomes a really painful thing and it's just like layers of complication. So if you can prepare sooner and it's never going to be perfect, but if you can prepare sooner and start thinking in a systematized way, 
it really will help you expand in a much healthier fashion down the road. Because if you're consistent and you keep at it, it's inevitable. You will grow and, you know, you will learn things and you will grow. And, um, I think sometimes it's just because we're, we're thinking so much, you know, so many things based on like revenue numbers and revenue is still a vanity metric. You know, I've seen, I've seen some businesses. I worked in some startups back in my Austin days and, um, I've seen some startups where like on paper, the revenue was, you know, a few million dollars, but the operating costs behind the scenes, cause it was so chaotic and it was so messy and it was, I don't know if I can swear on your show, but it was yes, such a shit may. show. It was a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the the cost of trying to maintain the shit show behind the scenes was exorbitant and frankly unnecessary and in our in our entrepreneur entrepreneurial journeys our smaller solopreneur style journeys or small teams it may not be as dramatic as a startup that's really trying to like just heave something out into the world but it's it's still the same problem for sure for sure. And I, I want to reiterate what you just said because agreed and mic drop moment. But <laughs> revenue is a vanity metric, right? Like it is not it is not the sign of a healthy business. And a lot of people think that that is the sign of a healthy business. There are a lot of metrics that go into it. And without all of those metrics in place as well, revenue doesn't mean anything. You can have a shit show business that could fall to pieces in a second whenever Oprah recommends you. Um, that's not a healthy organization at all, even if you're making a gazillion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love it. Okay. Then I think I'm hoping we have painted the importance <laughs> <laughs> of getting your systems and processes in place, of being able to take an idea that you have and create the the business process or system that that allows you to do the thing that you want to do. Now I'd like to know, other than post-it notes, which you have probably also two lifetime supplies. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I have, whole, I have a whole office cart next to my desk. You, you don't want to see the bottom. <laughs> the bottom layer. <laughs> All the post-its. That aisle at Costco is like an entrepreneur's version of a candy shop. Like... I totally, I recently did that with pins, just so you know. I came home with a big thing of pins and David was like, why did you buy those? And I was like, how could I not? <laughs> well, when you're in the store, everything looks normal sized. And then you come home and you're like, yeah, that is, why did That's I buy all the things? That's your head. That's weird. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So I'm wondering, other than post-it notes, yeah. what tools even though we know that tools are less important than the process, but what yeah. tools, what are some of your favorite tools that you use um, to run this part of your business? I'm a really big fan. Well, I am also an Asana user um, and I totally agree with you. Some people are Asana brain or Trello brain. ClickUp's becoming a thing now. Um, find the thing that feels good to you and you'll find a way of working with that. I'm a big fan of using Asana for um, actually doing a lot of brain dumps, like idea files, because I can have it on my mobile device with me. And being a creative person, like things come to me at the, the oddest times and I can just pull up the app and I'll just punch it in and I can have an ugly idea file. And then I can have time later set aside 
to do CEO time and like actually go through those things later. Um, but I feel like one of the very first things that most of us need, um, before anything else is a calendar scheduling tool. And I'm a really big fan of acuity scheduling. Um, I think if you're not yet at the point where you want to pay for it, um, or you're just sort of getting comfortable with the idea of a scheduling tool using the free version of acuity or Calendly is a great idea. I'm more of an acuity preference person because I feel like it has features that, um, are just more robust. Um, so we use that in, in my community. Um, I'm a really big fan of the scheduling tools because they help us to do additional things in our digital calendars, which is the next tool that's super important. I feel like if you're going to be a boss, you've got to boss up and I love me some paper. I love paper notes. I love post-it notes clearly. <laughs> But one thing that I refuse to go back to is a paper calendar. And I feel like in this day and age, especially if you have any online offerings, which frankly, all of us do, all of us do. Um, if you're emailing with clients, you are doing something online. So having a digital calendar is really, really important. I see a lot of people miss appointments or double book themselves or have a problem. And it's not that acuity scheduling or Google calendar um, or Outlook calendar can't, or iCal, like they, it's not that they can't save you from a problem because problems happen. Um, but I do feel like it's really important to utilize technology for what it's meant to do for you. And those tools help you automate a really time consuming part of a working day. You, know, you can spend a lot of time managing your calendar. And if, if you can get used to automating that process and having things run out of your calendar as much as possible, it will save you so much. So, um, you know, I'm a really big fan of teaching my folks to start abiding by their digital calendar, especially with everything being on zoom these days, making sure that all your meetings that you've accepted or that you have created have the zoom link in the location field. So all you have to do is click and go. You're not digging through your email. I really try to recommend don't work out of your email. Your email is a communication tool. <laughs> it's not a storage device <laughs> and <laughs> it's not. And, and I, and I'm also a really big fan of using, um, cloud storage for data management because it comes with automagic backups. They feel like automagic, not automatic. And I have worked with people who have only stored things on a hard drive and then wondered why they're having communication problems with their assistant. Um, and it's really hard to communicate when it's all in your drive. That's like the equivalent of having it only up in your brain. Um, and I've seen people not have any of that backed up, which is so dangerous. I've seen people fill up their hard drives and then everything's moving so quickly. They'll go out and buy another MacBook because they don't have time to deal with the existing. Oh my God. My eyeballs so many got real big you. when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh and, my, and you know, and extra, tools, guys. it's real extra. It's real extra. Um, more than one somebody, more than one oh, somebody. So whoever needed to hear that today, yeah. never even considered that as an option for that scenario. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, some people to each do. their own. It's to each their own. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go there. <laughs> and and then and then beyond that, I feel like having a really strong payment system is. The next important thing. So I'm a big fan of Stripe. Um, and obviously getting comfortable with Zoom is really important. And then everything after that becomes extra. It depends on what you're working on. Um, I know you're a fan of Podia. 
because you're a sponsor of the podcast. I'm a Podia user. I use Podia to basically manage how my clients come through into my online world. Um, and, and, and it works great for that, but there's a process behind that. There's a, there's a process that I have decided behind that and chose that tool for very specific features and benefits, uh, because there are a bajillion tools that you can choose from. So yes, there's, there's so many tools that you can choose from. And I think the important thing is, um, recognizing what is the bare minimum that helps make sure you're doing increasingly less and less busy work throughout your day. And also what tools help support the encouragement for you to clear out brain space and heart space so that you can, you know, work intuitively and creatively inside your business and not be cluttered with like, you know, like little kids, like tugging on your sleeve, like, mom, I need you to pay attention to me. And it's like, no, like here's, here's, here's where you live. <laughs> you live here and I got to be right here right now. And, um, and I find that sometimes entrepreneurs will get stuck with all the things happening at the same time. And, and then, and then overwhelm sets in and then there's burnout and we all know those stories and yeah. You make me gag over here. Just bringing that up. <laughs> Ooh, yes, for sure. And, and I, I appreciate you sharing all of those because what you're also doing and I did this this month in the episode of Making a Business, which is exclusive to the Clubhouse, where I shared my tech stack for Almanac Supply Co. And I shared it for several reasons. But one of those is because I know a lot of online business owners, our people here, um, we are especially newbie ones struggle with investing in the tools that are going to help them run their business. Like is $20 here and $40 here and $60 here, whatever it may be. And it starts to add up. And there's like these weird feelings of it's just a piece of software. Guys, best investments you're going to make in your business, <laughs> replaces employees, it gives you more brain space, gets things done in your business. If you do it right, it's going to help you get paid more, give you more time, like all of these things. And so what you've just illustrated is that there really are a number of tools that you need just baseline to run your business. And then on top of that, you're likely going to need um, sort of specialty tools to help you get your particular job done. In my episode of Making a Business, I outlined 22 different pieces of software that we use to run that business. All of them have a purpose. All of them are in use. All of them are functioning and bringing in revenue or otherwise making, giving a space or helping us communicate better. Um, these tools are important, but only if they have a working place in your business. Yes, they have to have a purpose. And I know podcasts have a, a long lifespan. So Whoever's listening to this and it's the holiday season. <laughs> if you have not used the tool before, don't buy the lifetime subscription. I think that's one of the first things that we need to do is go month to month until you know it's the tool that you yes. want. And once you're a loyal and customer, and then pay for the year. Yes. And then, and then and save yes. yourself some money. <laughs> save yourself a whole lot of money, a whole lot of grief. Oh yep. my goodness. Yeah. I think we definitely, I mean, at all, both at Almanac and being boss, we're spending well over a thousand dollars a month on our SaaS, yeah. our software as a service. Mm -hmm. Um, but it saves us so much money in terms of like man time, man labor. What's that word? 
um, man hours. That's the word. Or woman <laughs> hours or whatever hours. Um, it saves us so much time and energy and it helps us do things that we could not do otherwise. Um, and I see that investment as like, that's the equivalent of if I were paying rent with a brick and mortar store or something similar, like it is a cost of doing business. Doing business online is not free. <laughs> no, it's not. And automation is not automatic. It takes <laughs> setup. Yep. I always have that to too. People, yeah. Um, there's nothing passive about passive income and automation is not automatic. Yeah. And, you know, you really have to, um, you have to build in the setup of those systems and tools, but it also requires, you know, your business is such a great example. You know, your market and you know, your offers, you know what you're offering. And I feel like when folks are still in that offer market fit stage where they're still kind of, you know, it's like a new deer learning how to walk, you know, like it's up, but it's kind of wobbly. <laughs> and, and we're like that in our businesses, sometimes in multiple areas at the same time for a while. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a stage. And you have to recognize when you're in that stage so that you know, like now is the time to learn how to walk. If I see someone ahead of me and they're full on sprinting, like that's good to see. Now that I see it, I can recognize it. But if they're using some big, huge system, you know, check yourself. Like, am I ready for that yet? Is that really what I'm doing? Like, do I have a clear market? Do I have a clear offer? How many times have I been offering this? Have they bought it at full price yet? What is the flow, the rhythm and flow of that energy coming through your business so that you can actually then address that energy and flow for the pace that it's running? And so it also feels good for you because you might discover that just because it looks impressive, somebody else is sprinting ahead of you. You're like, turns out I hate running. Like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Each each piece of software is one that needs to be tested, needs to be yeah. utilized, needs to be implemented, needs to be like updated and upkept um, and sort of reanalyzed to make sure that it's still still usable. Because you mentioned this in the beginning, like our systems and our process, they are ever evolving. They're always changing. And I do believe that the pieces of tech that make up our business have to change and evolve as well. They do. And um, there's always something new coming out in the tech world, which is exciting and fun, but also really distracting. And <laughs> I think if you know your process, you know when to recognize, oh, that thing's really cool. I can appreciate it for being super cool. But I don't need to jump on it. There's no FOMO, maybe a little bit, but there's, but it's not enough to be like, I got to grab that offer. And, and when you don't have that assuredness within yourself and your business, it's really easy to jump on those and say, Oh, well, maybe this tool will solve my problem. And that's not the way we solve business problems. It's not the way we want to solve business problems. Um, and it's definitely not the way that builds good systems either. So you can be surprised. You can save so much money at the beginning of business for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Perfect. Well, Mary, this has been a treat. I could talk systems and processes and 
tech and testing and changing literally all day, every day. I have loved having this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course I do. All day, every day. Um, Would you mind telling our bosses where they can find more about you? Yes. uh, They can find me on my website. It's sensiblewoo.com. And they can also find me on Instagram, same handle, at sensiblewoo. And um, on my website, I have a free library. As a librarian, I firmly believe in having libraries. <laughs> so I have purposefully built over the years a um, a small and growing free library with pretty robust things. They're talks that I've given at conferences and then converted them into, you know, an online format. Um, there's a really meaty one in there um, called your energy audit for learning how to think about your business like a house, like how you would feng shui your house. And a lot of people have really enjoyed that. Um, a couple of our bosses have hopped into there and they've been having a fun time. So I would encourage people to dig into that if this is starting to resonate for them. And they can message me anytime from anywhere in there. I'm always, I'm always available. <laughs> Perfect. And we will be sure to add links to that to all of our show notes. And my last question for you, Mary, is what makes you feel most boss? Oh my goodness. You know what has made me feel most boss in 2021? I started the year and I said, I hadn't created a word of the year in a long time. And I said, I'm going to make a word of the year this year. And the word is no. Yeah. Love it. Saying no is one of the most, most boss feelings in the world. I will concur with that. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming to hang with me. Thanks so much for having me. I love this community. I hope more people hear this and come join us there. It's such a beautiful group of people. Agreed. We have conversations like this every Monday. It's wonderful. Yeah. And you get to come see Mary's wall. Yes. (laughs) Her post is ever present. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the best. Whether you want to learn more about project management, tech tools, or the systems that make your business run, or you want to share what's working for you with fellow bosses, I hope you'll join Mary and me and a whole bunch of creative business bosses in the Being Boss community. Grow together through our monthly themes and content, connect with like-minded creatives, and ask your burning questions to bosses who get you and what you do in our online community platform or live in a number of virtual events each month. Learn more and sign up now at beingboss.club slash community. And until next time, do the work, be boss. Yeah.